Larry Joe Bird. We talk about great names on this podcast a lot. I love a good name. Larry Joe Bird might be the best one of all time. Think about it. You've got a guy on this side who everyone, and I mean everyone, calls Magic Johnson. Like, that's his real name. And who is his counterpart? Larry Joe Bird. I mean, good God. What a balance. What a pairing. What a great name. Anyways, Larry Joe Bird was at the peak of his powers in 1986. MVP season. His hallmark year for sure. The Boston Celtics are making their run to the 86 championship when they hit the doldrums of those winter months. Those long winter months in the NBA season where the excitement of the start of the year has waned and you gotta hop on a plane and go play in Sacramento. It's February. It's cold as hell. The Celtics have won 13 straight games. They've got the best record in the league and they're just walking through teams. Are the Celtics bored? Yeah, probably. And now they've got the All-Star break. Are they going to enjoy their time off? Who wouldn't? So how does a guy like Larry Bird get up for a Friday night in Portland during the winter on a long road trip for a game that doesn't really matter? Here's Bill Walton with the answer. Larry told all of us and the media, he said, tomorrow night's the last game of the trip. I'm going to play this one left-handed. This is First Ballot. Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matter and decides whether they're good enough for the First Ballot Hall of Fame. I am your host, Neil, the long-lost Gasol brother, the podcast Jordan Clarkson, half Jollibee, half the Jewish half of Jordan Farmar. I'm not the biggest Lakers fan. I am the best Lakers fan, Mr. Not Always Right, but never, ever wrong. Coming to you live from the Shaquille O'Neal Office Depot, big and tall, executive suite desk chair, And again, to be crystal clear, I'm not in this chair because I'm big. I'm in it because I'm tall. The First Ballot Hall of Fame podcast is brought to you by... Ball is Life and the Ball is Life podcast network. You already follow Ball is Life on social, at Ball is Life, but make sure you're supporting the team because they support me. We're trying to build something here. Do you like an old-fashioned story of someone building something from the ground up? That's what we're doing here at First Ballot. Today's episode of First Ballot could be sponsored by, it could be sponsored by, the 7D Steakhouse in Carmel-by-the-Sea. They have this martini with a sirloin-wrapped blue cheese-stuffed olive. Our guest today, who has not yet been introduced, you got to keep your answers tight here. Have you ever enjoyed an evening at the 7D Steakhouse in Carmel-by-the-Sea? Absolutely. And I had the sirloin steak wrapped blue cheese olive martini. I used to live in Carmel. I used to live in Carmel. 
How's that for a goddamn advertisement? A lot of restaurants are in 3D. The 70s Steakhouse in Carmel has four more Ds. It's four more dimensions. Check it out if you're ever rambling through Carmel, maybe heading up the coast. 70, this one's for free. You got to pay for the next one. Larry Bird's left-hand game is undoubtedly a great sports moment, but is it a first ballot Hall of Famer? It's a different bar to clear. We only induct the moments in sports that really matter. We have to make a decision on Larry Joe's left-handed game. We'll do that today, and here to help me make that decision is a man who needs no introduction. His career is long and distinguished, and the second word there is the take-home, distinguished. He rose to fame hosting the feel-good edition of SportsCenter late night on ESPN before moving over to Comedy Central where he launched and was the first to host a little franchise called The Daily Show. From there, he was named the host of The Late Late Show on CBS, which is where I became a giant, huge monster fan of his. He's also acted and appeared in a number of movies and TV shows where he has certifiably stolen scenes. It's Lord Kilby himself, Vanilla Thunder. It's Craigers, Mr. Craig Kilborn. Oh, my God. What an intro. What an intro. Curious jump shot in the game. How do you know 70 Steakhouse? Did you just, how'd you come up with that? I, I, I just was researching and I saw that you enjoy 70 Steakhouse. Oh, yeah. My favorite place in Carmel is Lescargo, L apostrophe Escargo, Lescargo. Uh, Carrie Lutis is the owner and chef, and it's a French restaurant. Have you ever had Beef Wellington? Do you know what Beef Wellington I have. is? Oh, yeah. <laughs> sure, yes. So they said they, the waiters are great. They go, listen, he cooks it rare. And if you don't like it rare, just don't, you know. Don't talk about don't, it. Don't cut it open yet. Let it keep cooking yeah. inside the pastry. All ah, right. You know what right. I'm saying? So it, then you wait a while <laughs> and then it becomes medium. So that's kind of exciting. It's delicious. I was going to ask you, what do you order? But the beef Wellington makes perfect sense that you would order the beef Wellington at Lescar. Yeah, I do it rarely because of the red meat. I usually get fish, but the beef Wellington is to die for. Have you ever heard of sweetbreads? You know what sweet? Yes, sure. They're, yes, they're of kind course. of innards, and they saute them. They're very high yes. in cholesterol, so you can't do it too often. But I, uh, I enjoy right. eating out maybe a little too much, actually. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. It's a real pleasure to meet with you and get the chance to talk with you uh, again. Giant fan of yours. I don't want to be too uh, over the top, but a huge fan of yours. Uh, quickly, before we dive into our moment, before we talk about your career. You have one of the purest jump shots mm. uh, ever. Is that true? You tell me. I can shoot. Yeah. Now, if you <laughs> if you go to YouTube, you'll see me lose a three point contest to Steve Kerr, and I yes. lost it on the I first saw. rack because I missed yeah. all of them. And then I went six it's for nine video. on threes, yeah, and I was okay, so okay. hot that I I didn't even hold my follow through on one of them. I just snapped right. it back. But you're supposed right. to hold the follow through. Um, and I can shoot and I can pass. And I do have to ask you, I didn't know, we just met now, but I, so you're a Laker fan? Huge Laker fan. What do you think of D'Lo, Mr. Enigmatic? Uh, He's I, very streaky. Very streaky. You So you've seen him play a lot because he used to play for the Timberwolves, yes. I presume. Yes. Yeah. I think he's, he has an aesthetically pleasing game, which I think there's some value to that. Yes. I, he will heat it up on a couple nights and take over when LeBron needs a break or maybe give LeBron a night off because he's, you know, he's hot. I'm happy with that. You can't really play him in the playoffs. I presume he'll move him whoa, at the whoa, deadline. Whoa, 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 Yeah, yes. Now, Sorry. why ahead. did you say that? He didn't play any defense. Yeah, correct. Yeah, okay. So you yeah, know his he game. butchered on defense. He's yeah. got very skinny legs, doesn't play a lot of D. 
Very stylish. Crafty. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Makes some really nice passes, but uh great passer. He's been all over the place from the Lakers yes. to the Nets to the Warriors to the Wolves. We got rid of him. I'm I'm happy to say. We all we all <laughs> knew we all knew he who he, you know, he's an odd bird, but yes. uh stylish, very well dressed, by the way. Yep. But you know what's interesting? Good looking guy. The people are picking the Lakers. I and I do like the Lakers. I I, I enjoyed their um, playoff run last year. I think the Wolves are right there with them. We were we were hurt last year. Um, you know we played the Nuggets pretty well, even though we lost four games to one. We had no Jade McDaniel's, no Nas Reed in the final game. We had no slow mo Kyle Anderson. Mm. So West is going to be fun, man. Do you buy? I know you're friends with Finchie, so uh, the, I have two questions for you on the Timberwolves. One, are you buying into the Gobert Towns pairing? Yeah, and I just two, do. Yeah. You think Finchie's a great coach? Yeah, he he he. Uh, I mean, the the only criticism against Finchie was, you know, uh, call more call more plays in the in the playoffs in the fourth quarter, and mm. you know he says he's going to do that. Um, he also says. Um, he said on a, recently he was on a, my friend Dan Barrero's podcast in Minneapolis, and he was asked specifically that. And he goes, "Well, yeah, you you call a play, but once they start switching everything, it doesn't really matter." I mean, I don't know if that's true, but he goes, "They're just switching," and it, you know. So, but uh, there is structure to what they're doing. We're spe- you know Anthony Edwards is special, special. and uh, I, it's weird that the national media freaked out on the Rudy trade. Now I do understand the compensation was a lot, and that's because we got to yeah. keep Jaden McDaniels, but. We were looking at Clint Capella and Miles Turner. Uh, to, we mm. needed someone to help Cat uh, with uh, rim protection defense, and then Rudy became available. So I, I'm all in. It doesn't bother me, you know. And, and it, the the weirdest thing is the the, the game five uh, in in Denver where we lost, but it was a close game. We really clicked. Mm. Everyone was mm-hmm. clicking offensively. Rudy was getting lob dunks. Cat couldn't. Uh, what's the guy's? Aaron Gordon couldn't guard him. And then, of course, Ant is Ant. So I think we're yeah. So we stay healthy. I want to. I th- I think we're top four if we stay healthy. I know that sounds wow. crazy that to you sound people crazy. because yes. Bradley Beal can't guard anybody. <laughs> you think the Phoenix Suns? <laughs> Kevin Durant's old. My issue with the Suns is they have three dudes that basically do one. Th- I don't mean that it's all they do well, but they, they're experts at one thing. They're all scoring, but three people can't score the ball at the same time. Right. There's only one ball to go around. Right. I just don't know how that's going to work. Yeah. I uh, love Anth- I love Anthony Davis on your Lakers. I, LeBron is, I love uh, Austin Reeves. I don't know how they're going to do, but I think they're definitely going to be good. I think they're top four. If I had to say, I, what would it, what would it be? You got Denver. I like the Warriors, but I don't know how they're going to be. Who's your top four in the West this year? Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers are number one by far. No, no, no. I, I do. I don't think in terms of like the best record, because that's the thing to me, I think the Lakers showed you their hand and I think they showed you the script for any LeBron season going forward. Who gives a shit about the regular season? Ramp up about a month before the playoffs yeah. and try to make a run deep into the mm-hmm. deep into the, the playoffs. I think that's the play for the Lakers. So I, if the Lakers are – in the four or five region and they get a home series in the first round, that'd be fantastic. As long as they make it and those two dudes are healthy, I feel good about my chances uh, in a seven game series with any of those teams. Well, 
I wanted to make, here's a point I wanted to make, because I know how the national media is and they, and they're saying, Oh, you know, Wolves, yeah, they're fighting for the plan. Mm -hmm. uh, we played the Lakers. Well, you know, you saw that one mm -hmm. game where we shut down our offense in the fourth quarter, but we had been out playing them. Uh, we're better than Sacramento and they finished third. That's my, we just agree. beat them all the time. In the I agree with season. that. Yep. So I think, uh, I think we, I just want to see how good Phoenix is. I know how good Denver is. I think the Lakers are there. I don't know about the Warriors. I don't know about the Warriors. There, there. I mean, it'll be it'll be fascinating to watch. I can't imagine there's a scenario where Chris Paul stays on that team. I just can't really see it. What? I mean, I just think that he's a legitimate piece. But he's I feel an like old man. He, he's it. an old man. He gets hurt. Yes, this might but be. Someone will take him at the play. In my head, someone will take him at the playoffs, and they'll treat him exactly the way they treated D'Angelo. Let's move him out, get a piece back, okay. and, and a okay. piece that we think we can play with. That's just my thing. Right. Right, listen, I don't know. What are your thoughts on the Clippers? Do oh, you buy I, into I like, the Clippers forgot. looking good? Here's what, yeah. Here are my thoughts on the Clippers. For the last two or three years, it seems like everyone says, well, they have the most talent. They always say they have the most talent. But something is wrong where I'm not worried about them anymore. I should be, Same. you know, but yeah. they have, you know, but for some reason, um, I don't know. I By the way, have you ever seen slow-mo play Kyle Anderson or not? Of course, yeah. So yeah. I used to see him, you know, Spurs and a little bit on Memphis. And then he had a career year with the Wolves. He mm. passes so well. And uh, he's, you know, he has a unique game, old man game. Mm. But uh, he he's, uh, Finchie likes him at the end of the game. He, he's, he's uh, it's going to be, he has to play the three now because they re-signed Nas Reed. So he's right. going to have to play the three because you're going to rotate Rudy, Cat, and Nas. I just turned this into a Timberwolves podcast. I apologize. <laughs> no, I love uh, I love slow mo. I love that everything's at his speed. It feels like yeah. a guy that doesn't rush and do something different at the end of a game. So um, I took a, I love I, I took a friend. Uh, you ever heard of Alex Sulkin, the writer? He's uh, yes, yes, yeah, yes. So of he's he's a Celtic fan and stuff. But I took him to a game. He wanted to sit courtside, and it was it was the Wolves and the Lakers. And he, you know, he was making fun of slow-mo. He goes, oh, he's afraid to shoot because he'd go down the lane and then kick it out. He goes, oh, he's yeah, afraid yeah, yeah. to shoot a layup. I go, no, no, no. He has a, he loves passing. Just relax. <laughs> anyway. Now you were a fantastic passer. You've already mentioned that on this show. The Northside Magicians. I read about you on the Northside Magicians. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your time on the Northside Magicians. So there was this guy, this coach, it was like uh, it was like the White Shadow. His name was Sean mm. Martin, white guy up in Minneapolis. And he had when I was in ninth grade, I played for the Hastings uh, freshman team, and and then Sean had this Northside Magicians. He got these uh, mm. these black guys from Minneapolis that were really skilled, and they came down and kicked our butts, even though we rarely lost in ninth grade. And then he liked my game, and he invited me to be the only white guy on the team. And, oh uh, yeah, so that was fun. And, you know, I, I was one of those guys growing up in the suburbs. Uh, you know how they say all these, all these white guys buy the rap albums. Why well, I wasn't into rap, but I was in soul music. So my heroes were Dr. J and Walt Clyde Frazier. Mm. And then I listened to Earth, Wind and Fire mm. and Barry White. And I didn't care about the Rolling Stones. I was like, I was one of those guys who just loved that, loved uh, what I thought was the uh, African-American culture. I thought it was so cool. And, uh, doc, Dr. J was my favorite player. And I didn't like Larry for a while. I liked him at Indiana State. And then when Doc retired in 87, I go, oh, of course, Larry's the greatest, you know. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I was, there was a time where I hated Larry because he would beat the Doc. 
I get it. I, I loathed Michael Jordan my entire childhood because there was the, some idea that someone was going to do a one-on-one -on -one game between Magic and Michael. And I was so uh, angry that they were going to do that and that it would chip away at Magic's greatness in, in my head. Oh, even though, I mean, yeah. Magic, great player, but it would get just absolutely demolished one-on-one -on -one against Michael Jordan. Give me a break. Yeah. So, so you're definitely, you grew up in LA or what? No, no. I grew up in a small town in Ohio, just outside of Toledo, Ohio. I have, who was your team growing up? Always a Lakers? The Lakers. Oh, okay. All because of Magic Johnson. Okay. Yeah. So I, I'll give you a couple of thoughts, and I want to ask you about that. So I've always kind of rooted for the underdog. So I rooted against Jordan with the Bulls, mm, mm. and it bothered me. Um, I think the only time I rooted for him was the first championship against the Lakers, four games to one. That was the Vlade Divac, Magic, Sam Perkins, Lakers. That's right. But That's right. <laughs> then I rooted for the Jazz. And I rooted for the Sonics. You know, I was rooted Portland against <laughs> against the because uh, everyone hyped up the Bulls. <clears throat> but I I it bothered me that you know they had this great regular season record, the greatest team of all time. I said no no no. Mm. So if I'm pressed to say what's the greatest team of all time, yeah yeah, I say it's the Showtime Lakers from the '80s. Okay, fantastic. I love it. And, you know, I want to say the Celtics but of the 80s, but I say the Showtime Lakers of the 80s. Okay. However, a <laughs> couple things. I did not like the Shaq-Kobe-Laker team. Didn't, did not like them. Did not like Shaq. Thought he'd knock people over. And I have a real wow. strong opinion of Kobe. And God bless him, you know, tragically mm. passed away. But I've been here in LA and I used to do this before he passed away. I'd go out to Musso and Frank. I'd say to the bartender, you, you, you know, who's better between LeBron and Kobe. And I, and he goes, yeah, Kobe. I go, I said, no, it's LeBron. And he'd take my martini away. So I do understand <laughs> that the fans that like Kobe are seduced yeah. by him, yes. his yes. competitive nature, his killer yes. instinct. And I, of yes. course, can't stand his shot selection and his 44% mm -hmm. shooting while LeBron and mm -hmm. Dwayne Wade shoot 49 and 50%. Larry shoots 49%. <laughs> Jordan shoots 49, you know, plus 49%, 49.86 right. or whatever it is. So your thoughts on that crappy <laughs> Shaq Kobe team that, that oh, somehow beat God. Sacramento. And then where do you, <laughs> how, what are your thoughts on Kobe? <laughs> you, this is a layup for me. I've, I've thought about this ad nauseum. The those Shaq Kobe Lakers, I nicknamed them Hell on Earth for a lot of reasons. Uh, they to me, and I say this all the time, I'll tweet this out like you know, once every six months for engagement. You mm -hmm. understand what I'm saying? With a lot of people will engage with this idea. To me, that that window of the Lakers team, 99 to what, two, 2002, I believe that Lakers team could be any team that's ever existed in the NBA in a seven game series. And I will go to my grave knowing that. So you're more of a hockey, you're more of a hockey fan. You don't really know the game of basketball. Okay. <laughs> I got it. I just wanted to see what I was dealing with here. No, wait, just wait a Sacramento second. Sacramento was better. And you know about game six and Donahue. I mean, they, pl they played the game the right way, you know? I had a people beautiful. tell me, you know, if Will Chamberlain did what Shaq did, he would, you know, he would, he would knocking people over. Let me just make sure we understand something. In the low post, yeah. you can go over someone, skyhook. Mm -hmm. You can go mm -hmm. around someone, spin Akeem. Mm -hmm. Or you can mm -hmm. go up and under McHale. You can't go yes. through Dikembe's yep. face or his chest. Yep. <laughs> 
Listen, if Shaq caught that ball with two feet, even a foot in the paint, he's dunking that ball or he's going to the line. It's just a guaranteed. You can hate it. You can be as angry as you want to be. And I'm not look, I'm not saying that's the most aesthetically beautiful basketball and it's the way the game should be played. I'm saying it was unstoppable. Yeah. Unstoppable. And I'll say this about Kobe. For me, for in my however many, my four decades of watching basketball at this point, I've never seen anyone that I knew cared from night to night more than Kobe. About his and own again, stats. It, yeah, about his own stats. Well, <laughs> why did he why did he stop stop shooting against Phoenix in that series? I he can't just, explain that game. Okay. I can't explain right. it. I understand it. I'm not I'm, that's not at the top of my list if I'm defending Kobe. Okay. Do you know do you think he's who's better, LeBron or Kobe? LeBron. Oh, LeBron good. Has been oh, so, so now you know a little LeBron bit. LeBron has been in the Kobe. Okay, I so listen, you know hockey. I fought you that know for a long time. NBA. Okay. <laughs> uh, Craig, you went on to play at uh, Montana State, the Bobcats. Uh, have you ever found yourself in the zone? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. When I was um, when I was playing, I scored my first game. I started as a sophomore. Uh, I scored 20 at the Kibbe Dome in Moscow, Idaho. Wow. Eight of nine from the floor, wow. four, four, and threes, and I was in the zone. A feathery, feathery shot, and yeah. uh, I felt like Mark Price. I felt like uh, <laughs> Pistol Pete. I felt pure, pure. You had it going. Yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, you, <laughs> Do you have a player comp? Who is your game like at the top of your career? Montana State, right. second year. Feathery jump shot. Who could you compare your game to at that time to an NBA player that's you know ever? Well, I'm six five like Pistol Pete. I did th- I did I like passing off the dribble scoop passes. Mm-hmm. His jump shot, he pulled it way back. He, he had longer arms. He pulled it back further on his head. I I shot mm-hmm. in the front, trying mm-hmm. to think. Uh, there's some guys like Mark Price a little bit. So somebody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there were some guys. A little like Mike McGee. I don't know if you remember him, but he shot it in front mm. of his head. But mm-hmm. I, I had a really nice jump shot. Sometimes I say I was like Reed Geddes. I think he played at Houston. He was a white <laughs> guy. Then there was this guy named Pace Mannion, who I never really saw play. But I moved at my mm. own speed. I had a quick yeah. first step. And I, I really liked passing, but I could drive and I could I could shoot the jump shot. And uh, so I always – I just say Pistol Pete for people. That's what I say. Got it. I, 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 <laughs> that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. Uh, your old coach, Stu Starner, who, where did Stu Starner coach you? Montana, Montana State? State. We had a couple, okay. one coach got fired and Stu took over and he was there. Yeah. Stu Starner told the Daily Courier in 1999, quote, he said, You are, quote, not overly gifted physically. Do you want to reply to Coach Starner? My brother said that the coach was, they were obsessed with the athletic players. So Paul Pierce couldn't have played for him. Luka Doncic couldn't right. have played for Stu. Yes, right. Larry Bird could not have played Yo, for Stu. No, I was yeah. very, you know, the thing about Larry Bird, this is the same thing with me. First of all, Larry Bird was quick with his first step and quick the way he mm-hmm. thinks and quick with his hands. But he mm. was six foot nine and very coordinated. How many six nine mm. guys can shoot three pointers like that and move it's a like great that? Point. So I was very yep. coordinated. I just moved at my own speed, a la Luca, uh, slow mo, <laughs> Kyle Anderson, <laughs> uh, and then uh, who else? We got Larry, uh, Paul Pierce moved at his own speed. There was this. Yes. He was playing for the Celtics. They were playing at the Nuggets regular season game. 
And it was a half-court offense. And Paul Pierce goes down the paint and dunks over the big man. I can't remember who the big man was for the Denver at the time. And Scott Hastings, the color analyst, goes, you know, quick dunk. Takes him two and a half weeks to get to the rim, but quick dunk. <laughs> Hastings is very funny. Oh, yeah, he's great. An underrated, funny yeah. NBA guy. Yeah, really great. Um, can I lavish you? Can we talk about your career a little bit? Can I lavish you with a little bit of praise? Sure. Yeah. See how I, I want to be over it. the top, but this is my this is my podcast. You agreed to come on it. I have two things I want to say. One of which I think will touch your heart. The other I think you could possibly throw away, and I'm not certain that you'll care about it. Okay. Which one do you want first? Do you want the thing that I think will touch your heart, or do you want the thing that's disposable potentially? Let's go disposable, and then we'll okay. touch my heart, and then I'll get a tissue, okay. and then we'll move forward. Okay. Perfect. I do a segment at the end of this podcast called More Important. It's really uh, kind of a cheap ripoff of five questions. I, and one of the questions I ask people, if, if, if I have a guest on that has anything to do with comedy, certainly anything to do with late night, I will ask them, what is the best or your favorite late night bit of all time? My favorite late night bit of all time, without question, is five questions. Oh. I just yeah. want to say that to you. Thank you. I think it tells me a lot about you as a host. I think it tells me a lot about the guest. It's fun. It's always funny, without fail, always funny. I will go back and just watch five questions if I think about it. I'll just start watching random five questions. That's how good it is. That's my well, praise. Thank you. Which, who gives a shit what I think? But no, I just people want to liked say it. it. You know, people liked it. Obviously, there were some guests that didn't. Didn't want to do it because you know they don't want to look they don't want to look dumb right. um, and right. you know I always tried to protect them as much as possible. Sometimes that didn't work, but you, you try to I give them heads up in the break. I say this mm -hmm. is what it is or this is the question right. or I, I like if it's uh, ten seconds on the clock, name five cereals in ten seconds, five uh, breakfast cereals. I want them to think about that in the break because I yes. want them to go oh, okay. I'm going to do yes. this and then, yes because yeah. yeah, on yeah, the spot yeah. it's just they'll freeze up. But uh, thank you. It's it was a blast doing that. A lot of it was opinion. You know, what's my favorite? You know, <laughs> what's my favorite that Billy Idol song? Stuff. Yes, Eyes Without a Face, or you know, whatever it was. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So it was a lot of random stuff. But yeah, it was fun. It was good. Good time. Uh, here's the compliment I think will touch you. Best set in late night history. Yeah. Can we discuss that? Yeah. Did you have a lot to say with the the aesthetics of that set? Yeah, I mean, the, the, there was a really talented British woman named Kathleen Anchors who was set designed for Letterman. She worked for Worldwide Pants, and they said meet with her. Mm. And mm. I said Hollywood Hills bachelor pad, and I like oh, I like wood. Perfect. I want I like wood. Yes. I like club chairs. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> it was pretty cool, man. <laughs> Was that like a, what was that? Was it like a cherry wood? How would you describe the wood on the desk? It was either cherry or mahogany, um, <laughs> you know, something like that. I remember there Did was you... this guy. There was I. I don't know all the woods. Are you? Do you know wood really well or not? No, no, no. Okay. But getting you into a conversation about wood was exactly the goal, and you walked. You nailed it. You you handled it perfectly. Yeah. Because I yeah, some these people know wood, and they're like. Uh, Apple wood. Somebody said is apple. Some guy has a Spanish home with an apple wood bar. I don't know what apple wood Ugh. is. I just know mahogany. And I know that I have a friend who who carves. Uh, he he owns the Edmund, which is a nice little bar, and and I go to a lot um, on Melrose, in in a hotel there. And he he's a carver, and he uses mm. alder because alder stains mm -hmm. well, and he, and it's easier to work with than mahogany. Anyways, that's all I know. <laughs> It's perfect. Perfect. Uh, you, I, I read that Carson was your, Johnny Carson was your idol growing up. 
you always wanted to be a late night host? Was that your goal as a kid? When did you make that decision? Good question. In the college, I mean, they're all good questions, by the way. Uh, but um, <laughs> in college, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't say out loud. You know, I, I, I could say, "Oh, I was going to do sports casting or play by play," because everyone knew I loved basketball. But my childhood was right. comedy and basketball. But secretly, I was like, "I want to do comedy," and I thought. I want to do, I like cheers in college. And I said, mm. I think a sitcom might be the way to go. Cause there's only one late night show. And then the letterman mm -hmm. came along. So I thought that it was, it was a better chance of doing a sitcom than right. a late night show. So when did your focus turn to no wait, late night is what I'd like to do. And I'm going to go after it. Um, that's a great question. You know, I came out to the L.A. in the late 80s and I would go to the comedy store and watch these guys do stand up. And I was thinking about doing stand up and I couldn't get a I couldn't get an agent because I wanted to do a sitcom. And mm. uh, and uh, I took an improv class and all this stuff. But then I circumvented the whole thing. I got a sports casting gig up in Monterey and I was mm. really funny. And then I got, I sent a tape of a sports and comedy to this agent. I, I couldn't get a Hollywood agent. So I sent it to a sports casting agent in New York and they mm. sent it to ESPN and they had me come in an audition for sports center. I couldn't really turn that down, but I, I always, yeah, I just, I just worked on it worked on comedy. And I, you know, I, I, I said, maybe there'll be an opening somehow in late night. And, but I also at the same time was always simultaneously thinking about a sitcom. If that makes any mm. sense. You, this show is about moments. T tell me about the most. So you got Sports Center. You again, you're local in Monterey. You get the call up to Sports Center. Huge deal. I mean, Sports Center. If you think about it, like I'm old enough to remember, Sports Center is one of the great feeders systems of all. Tell I mean, it's like SNL Sports Center's in there. Like if you got Sports Center as an anchor. You there was a chance you could go on to do big, uh, bigger and better things. Not not to say that ESPN and Sports Center is uh, big and great. Right. Uh, tell me about the decision to leave Sports Center, where you were an absolute hit, mm -hmm. to go do a new show in the Daily Show at Comedy Central. Well, I wanted to leave no matter what. I just was done. It just wasn't uh, something I wanted to do. I wanted to do comedy. I mean, full on comedy, not just, right. uh, you know, sports center, which was a blast. And then they, you know, they started uh, back in the nineties. Uh, there was a huge difference between cable and network back then. So Bill mm -hmm. Maher's show politically incorrect was jumping from comedy central to ABC and they to needed ABC, a replacement. That's right. And then the, the, the network president at comedy central came up with the whole idea for the, you know, he wasn't going to say weekend update. So he said, you know, mm -hmm. sports center, uh, a daily sports center, uh, but for pop culture. And uh, we want a Craig Kilborn type. And I had left, uh, I left my sports casting agent. He said, listen, they want to resign you to ESPN. I said, no, 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 no. He goes, well, then I, I'm not the right agent for you. You should, call, you should talk to my friend who's out at CAA. So I, I hooked up with him and he he knows the network president at Comedy Central. He goes, You're looking for a Kilborn type. We just signed Kilborn, Kilborn mm -hmm. himself. And mm -hmm. so they gave me the gig. And then I got the CBS gig. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I that was my favorite gig was the late, late show on CBS. It was so good. What gives you 
talk to me. A mo- you decide to you go. I want to leave Sports Center. This isn't doing it for me anymore. I'm going to leave Sports Center. And then you go to the Comedy Central and you make the decision. I'm, it felt like a, a bit of an e- quote unquote easier decision to go. I'm going to leave Comedy Central to step up to CBS, have my own late night show. But then you choose to leave the late late show as well. To what do you um, owe your decision like how did you have the guts to leave things when you wanted to leave them where where did you find the strength to do that have you never seen larry bird play <laughs> you ever seen him hit the winning shot and just walk off no i'm kidding yeah uh, i love larry legend <laughs> i have larry legend stories for you in a little bit but anyways um so comedically when you're in your 20s and 30s it's about you know these jokes and pop culture jokes and current event jokes and then i like the irreverent stuff like dance 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 and five questions Mm -hmm. you know what's the what are the two magical ingredients in a blt it's the mayo and the bacon grease on grease so i like this irreverent stuff but i got really bored with late night pop culture paris hilton jokes now they're kardashian jokes and there was too much politics and and obviously everyone, I'm a glorious independent. Everyone else is, uh, you know, varying degrees of a moderate liberal to a hardcore liberal. And I just, I, I lasered in on this aristocratic type mm. of sensibility that mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I wanted to do scripted, but it doesn't always work out, but that's fine. Because I, if I ever said to my old, I didn't tell my old agent, I would say, listen, I'd rather do nothing than continue with this. I'm, yeah. I'm done. Right. I'm done. Right. The other thing is, People don't know this from the outside because I've talked to them. Let's say I didn't, let's say I wanted to stay. Mm-mm. They weren't grooming a successor for Letterman. Why would they? They weren't doing that. Right. It, if you right. wanted to succeed Letterman, you would work somewhere else. It just, you know, mm. it, we had seven writers, Conan at 18, Kim, uh, Kimmel at 12. They had a band. I sometimes, they'd let, let me have a harmonica once in a while. I'm kidding. But um, so I just, it was an easy decision to leave. I know it freaked a lot of people out. They don't get it. Some people got mad. And they also get mad that I don't do anything now except for the mm-hmm. podcast, mm-hmm. Little Life Gorgeous. I do my Instagram. But um, yeah, it was an easy decision. I'm a little different. I'll leave the party early, you know? I, I Barry Sanders-esque. I really appreciate it. Um Whatever you have, I hope that I ha- I hope I can find that sort of. What do you do for a living, by the way, young man? I'm a, I'm a TV I'm a TV showrunner director guy. Oh, cool. Any shows yeah. I would know or not? Uh, the stuff I'm doing now, I'm like sitting here. Oh, you know, the first show I wrote on was um, Norm Macdonald's sports show with Mike Gibbons. Which oh, is yeah. Connected to kill. Cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's good. I, huge. This is my quick story about um, sports show is they go, they, I wrote a packet. They liked it. They go, will you come out and interview with Norm and Daniel Kellison? And I was like, yes, I go out. I'm, I need to prepare um, exactly for what I'm going to be. I don't do well with curveballs. So I'm like going, it's Norm, it's Daniel Kellison. I'm researching their careers and their lives. And I'm like figuring out exactly what I'm going to say and how I'm going to reach them. I go to the hotel, wherever I'm meeting them. I'm standing in the waiting room. I look through the window and I see out waiting at the table with Daniel and Norm, Mike Gibbons, who I know as Gibby from your show. Right. And I immediately lose my mind. I'm super nervous because I loved your show. I loved Gibby. And I'm like, fuck, I'm not prepared for this. I haven't done any research on Gibbons. (laughs) I start biting my cuticle. Terrible habit. Terrible habit. LeBron does it too. Right. Biting the cuticle on my throat. 
I look down and my thumb starts bleeding. Oh Lord, Mr. Kilborn, that's over. And I go, shit. When I'm gonna, the, they come out. Neil, will you come out for the interview? I go out. I'm doing the interview. I've got my hands under the desk. Right. <laughs> I'm doing my interview. I'm answering. I'm being charismatic. I'm answering. I'm being funny. I'm speaking to them about my talents and how I uh, make myself invaluable, et cetera, et cetera. They seem to like me. Uh, Norm goes, hey, respect to you. I remember him saying, much respect to you. I go, I appreciate that. And as I get up to leave, I pull my hands out from under the table, Craig, and I've got blood streaming down my thumb and hand all the way to my wrist. And Daniel Kelsen goes, um, you're, uh, you're bleeding there. <laughs> like, oh, would you look at that? And I was like, gosh, I don't know what happened. Oh, my God. And I can't stand up. I put my hand behind my back. I shake their hands and I walk off. And they hired me anyways. Thank God they hired you. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Listen. My research on this show stops at a certain point. I'm not going to do 10 minutes trying to find every late night host. But the ones I found, 18 uh, late night hosts, the big four, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, the network late night hosts, 18 late night hosts have hosted a big time network uh, late night talk show. You are one of them. For context, there have only been 12 people who have ever walked on the moon. One of 18 Craigers, Mr. Craig Kilborn. I think it's a it's just a I hope you take a moment to appreciate that. Uh was there a guest that you loved having on? Anyone that you connected with, somebody off the beaten path? Who did you enjoy as a guest? Well, there are a lot of good guests. I mean, people say the best. You know, I, I like Bill Murray because he, he was mm. someone we looked up to. We thought he was the funniest man in the world. Ben Affleck would yeah. re do his own segment producing. He would say, have them have Craig ask me about this. Uh, Gwyneth just said made fun of me. And said something about me. Put that, you know, we did a full screen, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he'd say, "Oh, like, <laughs> wow, I didn't know you guys were going to ask me this." So he would, <laughs> he would uh, segment produce. So he was very talented. Um, I'm just trying to think of the different. I got to have Clint Eastwood on because, you know, I, mm. I know his uh, at the time. His wife at the time. Or we used to work. Uh, we worked at different stations, but we both lived in Carmel up in Monterey. So Dina right. got. Clint on my show, and that mm. was a blast to have him Amazing. on the show. Amazing. Clint, we want you to. Finally, question number five, I want you to squint because you're angry and then squint because it's sunny. We want to see the difference. Because <laughs> he was, you know, he'd squint. Yeah, of course. And he's like, I get paid a lot of money to squint. I'm not going to do it here <laughs> oh, for free. Man, yeah. how about that impression? Yeah. A little rich little. Um, rich little. A late night. Here's a little late, late show trivia. You did a Thanksgiving roundtable. Oh, yeah. F five person panel. Yourself. And the it sucks guy, one of your characters. Yeah. Can you do you name? Can you name either the three other people that were on this Thanksgiving roundtable? How well do you know your own show? Yeah, I mean, we did it a few times. Now we also had a guest, like we'd have Martin Mall. I think we had Kevin James. Yep, that's one of them. Yeah, Kevin James and Martin Mall are those. We had Anna Kornikova via satellite. <laughs> that's one of that's one of the ones that from the one I saw. And then we had uh, and then we had Rod Roddy from The Price that's Is Right. It. Wow. I mean that's. Just the casting alone makes that a winning, <laughs> wow. a winning bit. I I couldn't, I can't agree with you more. When I saw that, and I didn't even have to watch the clip, I just saw the five shot, and I know you, and I knew the it sucks guy. And I'm looking at the three others, and I'm like, is that Rod Roddy? Yeah. And then uh, I think the it sucks guy called him the disco napkin, which I really appreciated, and so I watched the rest of the thing. Really impressive that you were able to pull that, Thank including you. Anna Kornikova and Rod Roddy. I mean, yes. my God, fantastic. Uh, Mr. Kilburn, we have to table set. Before we dive into our moment, we have to table set. What is your favorite sport? I think I know your favorite team and your favorite athlete of all time. Favorite sport, favorite team, favorite athlete. Basketball. 
Uh, I like the Timberwolves. I, sometimes I say I like the Vikings, but I like Timberwolves. Mm-mm. Okay. And my hero growing up was Dr. J. Yeah, okay, great. Fantastic answers. All fantastic answers. You were born in KC, but moved to Minnesota as a kid. But you've been there. You were there for a while. How often do you spend in Minnesota nowadays? I actually get back more often than I. There was a time I never went back because I don't like flying. But because the Wolves now make the playoffs, Mm -hmm. and I know a lot of people in the organization. I have some friends out there. My friend Charlie Swanson is great. We go... uh, out dining and bar hopping. So I get back at least once a year. So now it's been like twice a year. And I just went for the state fair and the Vikings first game. I was there a whole week, which was very mm. rare for me, but that was fun. Mm. You see, you do, you come off. And again, I don't know how much of it is character, but you come off much more like a Carmel by the sea guy, yeah. but you also go home to Minnesota, salt of the earth. Yeah. And you combine the both. Yeah. It's ver- you got to be versatile. I'm down really to earth, but I do. Yeah. I do enjoy listening to Bill Evans. I like going up to Carmel and wearing a blazer and a vest, drinking in moderation. Nothing like a martini, man. Ice cold martini. Uh, It's very impressive. I got to admit. We have to dive into our moment and decide whether it goes into our first ballot Hall of Fame, Larry's left-handed game. To do that, we go through our Hall of Fame credentials. Those are the categories by which we judge our moment. The first credential is always analytics. Here are the numbers. People love numbers and stats. It helps them feel like they understand the game more. I'm going to read through some of these stats. They're wild. Uh, Craig, feel free to jump in when you have something to add. Uh, it was a Friday night game, February 14th, 1986. Celtics have the best record in the league at 40 and 9. The Celtics finished that season, 86, 67 and 15. They were 40 and 1 at home. That is the best home record in, in, in an NBA season ever. Record still stands today, 40 and 1. Who beats Boston at home in that one game in Boston Garden? Portland, Port- the Portland Trailblazers. Wow. And they drubbed them 121 to 108. Larry was 9 of 26 from the floor Ooh. in that game. Ooh. The only game they lost. You see what I'm doing here? I'm painting a little picture of this is also a bit of a revenge game. We've just come off the All-Star break. Celtics start a 10-day road trip where they'll play seven games, including two back-to-backs. McHale hasn't played in 23 days. Celtics have won 14 of their last 15 games. The first game, the one game that they did lose was the first game of this road trip to the Sacramento Kings. So again, maybe Larry's a little pissed off. He drops one of the Kings in in Sacto. Larry has been averaging 40 minutes per game over the five previous games that lead up to this Trailblazer game. Uh, he also strangely played 35 minutes in the All-Star game, which is wild to think wow. about. You'd think Larry would be gassed, he, but he's clearly looking at revenge against these trailblazers. The night before, this Portland game is the second of a back-to-back game, which is crazy to think about. The night before, Thursday the 13th, uh, Larry Bird played 43 of 48 minutes against the Supersonics, had a triple-double, 31, 15, and 11. And then the second of the back-to-back is this left-handed game in Portland. That is The context of this game is wild to think about. So, my yeah, when I heard the story first told, it was from the great Bill Walt, and he said, we're going on this mm. you know, seven- or eight-game West Coast trip, and Larry says to the Boston media, we're going to you know, sweep. I'm going to average uh, 40, 15, and 10. And he's just trying to get himself psyched and make, and then he says, and then at some point he says, I'm playing Portland left-handed. I'm playing Portland left-handed. 
And when Walton tells the story, he goes, poor Jerome Kersey. <laughs> Larry had 27 through three left-handed or something like that. It's just poor <laughs> Jerome Kersey. But um, uh, I actually met Larry. I, I uh, asked him about this. So a friend of mine was shooting a commercial. He was a director. And he was shooting a commercial at the Smokehouse in Burbank. He says it's a Larry, it's a beer, it's a beer commercial. Larry, but Larry doesn't really uh, have dialogue. It's it's these two young guys go, oh my god, it's Larry Bird, and they talk, and you see Larry with the friend, just enjoying his his time with the beer and the food. And we want you to be the friend, Craig. We want you. We want Larry to have a good time. So just talk to him. So I said, mm. great. So I just said, uh, tell me about your broken finger in college at the softball. Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, mm. you know, I I I right before the NBA draft and I broke my finger, the ball hit me playing softball and I couldn't straighten my finger on my shooting hand. And I just told the doctor, just make it so I can still hold a beer. I just want to be able to hold a beer <laughs> anyway. So he gets drafted, plays the NBA, but I love it when his, his teammates and, and his classmates from Indiana state said, yeah, he shot pretty well in the NBA, but you should have seen him before he broke his finger. He couldn't oh miss. Oh my gosh! I mean that oh my that gosh. kind of stuff. But I I asked I him about that. the left-handed game. He goes, "Yeah, yeah, I saved my uh, I I just saved my right hand for the Lakers." Uh, it's the that could be the coldest quote I've ever heard in my life. That's a press conference. That's a credential coming up. The, one, that is one of the coldest quotes I've ever heard about an NBA game. That, it's just fantastic. And it also, in a strange way, makes the Trailblazers collateral damage. I don't even really give a shit about the Blazers. I'm just going out. I'm goofing off. I'm going to shoot some left because I keep the right hand for the Lakers. That's fantastic. Yeah. I'm glad you like so that. So good. I'm glad you oh, like so that. so good. He, he finishes that game 47 points. Oh. On 62% from the field, 21 of 34, three for three from deep, 10 of 11 with his left hand. Oh, did you see highlights boards, of it, by 11 the way? Assists. Have you seen highlights? I did, yeah. We're just floating up these little left hands. Beautiful. <laughs> Those little runners. Yeah. Gorgeous. Uh, 14 boards, 11 assists, one steal, two blocks. One, the, one of the shots he did miss was a left-handed layup on a beautiful behind-the-back pass from Big Red Bill Walton. Oh. Small deduction there from the judges for missing that that beautiful left hand wide open. But one of his blocks, on the other hand, one of his blocks, what he did block left-handed, which I appreciate. The, the, here's the last stat to discuss. Larry hits the shot in this game against the Blazers. He hits the shot to send it to overtime and hits the game winner with three seconds oh left. My, I didn't know all this. I just I, I, neither did I. Like right. you hear the left-handed game, and you go, "Holy shit, that's amazing!" He shot with his left hand, and you don't realize he had forty-seven sent it to overtime, hit the game winner. Unreal, amazing, sixty-two percent. I mean, uh, this it makes please. Tom Brady look like a civilian. I mean, this this is amazing. Larry Legend is the greatest. <laughs> when we were at ESPN, so we had some Boston guys there, like Carl Ravage. Yeah. And we'd be watching, there'd be a baseball game, all these monitors, baseball game. Somebody gets hit by a pitch, he steps out, he's hurt. And we all say, you know, Larry gets, he just comes up and hits home run after getting hit by a pitch. Everything was, what would Larry do in this situation? Right. So it's the Bronco chase with OJ. And we go, you know, Larry's driving, they get away. If Larry's driving, they, they, they don't catch the Bronco. Everything was, if Larry's doing it, he wins. Right, right. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, the You mentioned Bill Walton telling the story. When I've heard him, Bill Walton, tell that story, because I think of Bill Walton as a bit of a showman, 
And, you know, and because yeah. Bill Walton also dabbled on a lot of uh, 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 narcotics. Right. I, part of my brain goes, is this legitimate? Is this real? Right. Well, I went to someone else on the team. We talked to Greg Kite. Mm. Do you remember Greg Kite? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here's what Greg Kite had to say. From what I remember, just happened game day, maybe after the shoot around or something, he, he mentioned it. And, and uh, you know, Larry was one of the, and he was in the Hall of Fame, but he's also in the Trash Talk Hall of Fame. And, and, and the Confidence Hall of Fame, I, I tell you, we talk about some of the stories, but he, he uh, you know, messed around and said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm bored. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to shoot every shot left-handed. It, so it, this, it's, this is true. This is confirmed. Greg yeah. Kite. I think we should all, as a people, uh, believe in anything that Greg Kite says. Greg Kite says it happened. I now believe that this happened. Question for you. So yes. you say he scored 47, and they yes. they tracked how many were left-handed shots? You said he went 10 uh, of 11. He shot 11, 10 of 11 with his left hand. Oh, wow. So yep. what was his shooting percentage in the game? Do you have that or not? 62%. 21 of 34 from the floor. Oh, 21. 62%. So of the yeah. 21 shots, 11 were left-handed. That's great. Part, 21 makes. So he took he oh. made 21 shots and 10 of the 21 oh. were left handed. Oh, okay. See, I see. Okay. Cool. Good for him. What a um, stud. The he's he, amazing. The the next credential here is the eye test. It's what did we see in this footage? Did you watch the highlights of this of this moment? Did you watch the highlights of the game? Did you see anything that sticks out and makes this moment special? Yeah, I saw a white guy in the NBA hit left-handed shots. <laughs> and I think his whiteness matters here, and I appreciate you bringing and it he, up. And he <laughs> moved at his own speed, which I adore. Yes. <laughs> he also had, and I, this isn't, well, this wasn't essential for this moment to be great, but I'll tell you, it fucking helps. And I, I know you don't like swearing. Rob, if you would, please censor that in the edit out of deep respect for Craig. This this matter this really helped in my opinion. Long hair Larry, tiny little mustache. Yeah. He had both, yeah. and I, I love that here. Yeah, it's fine. It's good. It's just, I just like that. I love ball fakes. I like when he would fake behind mm. the guy, like he's going to pass it mm -hmm. by him and then shoot. Um, mm -hmm. I like when he flipped the ball up on defense where he'd steal the ball. Yes, I like. Yes. My favorite thing was his uh, touch passes where he just. I knew. I knew you tap were the say ball. That. Yes. Pass. Eyes in the back of his head. I'm surprised as a Laker fan that you appreciate Larry Legend. Well, I hate, I loathed him. I loathed him growing up. It was only in, uh, you know, maybe let's say, let's call it 1988, as the Lakers took a commanding five to three title lead that I was able to start to learn to appreciate Larry Bird. Right. That uh, off the dribble touch pass to Kevin McHale, you know, yeah. he's dribbling through the lane, he just sort of smacks it over. That's one of my favorite plays in NBA history. There's just like a, there's a beauty to it and an understanding and an, an intelligence to it and, and an athleticism and coordination to it that just really makes my heart sing. And I, I, I can appreciate him now. Yeah. Did you, uh, what did you think of the steal against Isaiah? My old man is from the Philippines. So did not have an NBA team growing up. We lived in Toledo, Ohio. So he sort of became a Pistons fan. Those bad boys, Pistons teams, that that's how I was raised on basketball. Vinny Johnson, John Sally, James Buddha Edwards, Dennis Rodman, Joey D, Isaiah. Th those were the, that introduced me to that really raised 
my basketball. I watched again because I wasn't from LA. I'd see the Lakers whenever they were on CBS to play the Celtics. The Pistons, I would see a ton of games. So I was raised on those teams. Uh, uh, I loved basketball because of them. What I remember of that play is my father being devastated. Yeah, yeah. I just, I saw like a documentary or something and everyone had stopped, the Danny Ainge, everyone had stopped yes. playing. Everyone, mm -hmm. the game was over. The game was virtually right. over. The outcome had been decided. Everyone had stopped <laughs> playing except for one guy, Larry Bird. They, <laughs> they forgot. They forgot about Larry so Bird. Good. <laughs> that's Danny Ainge talking about it. By the way, quickly, watch this. Watch this. So so, so I was really in the NBA, and I used to memorize this stuff. You don't have to know this. Where did Robert Parrish go to college? Where did Joe Dumars go to college? If you don't know, it's okay. Oh, my God. Uh, Joe Dumars went to McNeese, didn't he? Correct. McNeese, McNeese State. State. Very oh, good. I feel good about that. Very good. Very good. Uh, uh, Robert Parrish, I do not know. Uh, I, I also like the nickname. It's down in Shreveport, Centenary, the Gentleman. Centenary. Right. The name of the team is the Gentleman. <laughs> oh my God! Is that great? <laughs> really good, really, really good. Uh, the next credential is you mad, Rob? Play my camera on clip here. Wait, wait. You mad? You mad? You mad? Thank you so much. I love it, Craig. I love it when someone's mad, someone's bent out of shape. Jerome Kersey, the late, great Jerome Kersey. In fairness, I don't know that Jerome Kersey was mad, but I do know that Kersey was in his second year in the league during this game. Kersey hit the shot to put the Blazers up in overtime and then missed the shot after Larry hit the game winner. So uh, Kersey missed the last shot of the game. Blazers lose. I have to assume he's a little bit sour about all of this. On top of that, I have this story. Here's former Celtic and also former Mavs championship winning coach Rick Carlisle talking about Larry's left-handed game on Dan Patrick's show. Let's listen together. And Jerome Kersey was guarding him at the time. And, and, and I remember this because we had a great trash-talking team. I mean, we had ML Carr. We had McHale. We had Bird. We had, you know, Ainge was a yacker. And, and, and I'll never forget it. McHale yells out, hey, Jerome, wait till you start shooting right-handed. <laughs> How good is that? That's classic. Wait these things matter, start. Craig. All these little elements matter to a right. moment. Yeah. There were their Celtics were so much more fun than the Lakers. Anyway. Oh, how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> we gotta move on. It's time for this or that. Please bear with me, Mr. Kilborn. Uh, I have to do an intro for this segment. Go ahead. People love it. They pine for it. It's a bit embarrassing for me. I'm not a performer, but here we go. This or that. 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 <laughs> Mr. Kilward, I'm going to present you with a scenario and two options. You have to decide whether it's this guy or girl or that guy or girl. Here we go. Who is the better defender, Michael Cooper or Draymond Green? Draymond Green. Am I supposed, wow. am I supposed to say this or that or say Draymond Green? No, 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 no. You say the name. You okay. say the name. Draymond You're Green. You're saying, you, you, Larry Joe Bird, you know who Larry Joe Bird said is the best defender. Who's Michael ever Cooper, yeah. Okay. But that then he right. never played against Draymond, so. Draymond, just to let you know, Draymond came after Michael Cooper, just to let you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Who is the better marksman, Dale Ellis or Peja Stoyakov? Peja. I, I don't agree. I'm, for me, I'm, this isn't about me. For me, you're 0 for 2. Better looking jumper, Steve Nash or Mark Price? Better looking, Steve Nash I like or Mark, Mark Price's Price. jumper, even though Steve is pure. But yeah, I like Mark Price's yeah, jump shot. I agree. All right. You got one back here. Whose offense was more instant, Andrew Tony? Or Vinny Johnson? Mm, Vinny. 
Because his nickname was the microwave, and a microwave is faster than a Tony. That's whatever right. a Tony is. <laughs> That's exactly right. Here we go. This or that. Which professional athlete looks like he loves a good cigarette more? Vladi Divots or John Daly the golfer? Who looks like he enjoys a good cigarette? John Daly. <laughs> yeah. The, I you're exactly right. The reason is Vladi Divots looks like he smokes more, but John looks like he really appreciates it. Which female actor is more of a powerhouse, Jessica Chastain or Olivia Coleman? More of a powerhouse. I like Olivia Coleman. She's so good. She's so good. Yeah. What do you love Olivia Coleman in? Is there a role? Is there a performance you love her? Yeah, I always tell people they don't always know what it is, but it was a series called The Night Manager. Oh, and I there were six episodes that. with mm. Hugh Laurie and Tom Hiddleston and Olivia Coleman, and it was special. Oh, I got to watch it. Uh, which female actor is more underappreciated? Julia Louis-Dreyfus or Laurie Metcalf? More underappreciated. Well, I don't really know much about Laurie Metcalf, so I'll say her. Laurie Metcalf, the... the, the um, Aunt Jackie from Roseanne. Yeah, I don't, I don't watch Roseanne. What do I, I look it. like? What do I look like? <laughs> Farmer? I like Roseanne, by the way. I, I used to, she was a great guest, I should say. She was a good guest. <laughs> Lori Metcalf's also a phenomenal Broadway actress. <laughs> that was a great answer. Last question. Better name. Better name. Clyde Drexler or Maurice Cheeks? Ooh. That's a that's a push. I mean, those are two really good. So Clyde, good. Drexler, Maurice, Mo Cheeks. I'm gonna go Mo Cheeks. It, I do like. I like that you Cheeks can more than Drexler. Mo. Yeah, and I yeah. like that you can shorten the Mo. It's it's lovely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna give you that one. Okay. Uh, press conference. It's the next credential press conference. We already talked about. It. I'm saving my right hand for the Lakers. Boston. Two days after this game, Boston goes on to beat the Lakers in the Forum. Bird had another near triple double, 22 points, 18 boards, seven assists in 43 minutes. Phenomenal. Uh, the next credential, devil's advocate. This is when I get to try and pop a hole in this thing. Did you know that Larry Bird writes left-handed Craig Hilborn? Did not know that. Does that take away from how special this moment is, that he writes left-handed? He's already preternaturally gifted with his left hand. Does that, does that erase any of the specialness from this moment? No, it doesn't for me. But it's weird that that happens because I see guys that it's weird. Uh, I, I see different people that are left-handed. I'm s surprised. I see them writing left-handed, mm -hmm. you know? It's weird. Uh, another great, another NBA great uh, who sh plays right-handed but writes left-handed, LeBron James. And Bill ah, Walton. I think that's I what, yeah. What's that? Who is it? What's that? Bill Walton Sex is the other one, I believe. Oh, Obama writes left-handed, I think. That's right. That's yeah. right. But he shoots left-handed too, though, doesn't he? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I guess he's left-handed. Uh, <laughs> uh, the next credentials are X-Factor. Everybody knows what an X-Factor is. Were there any X-Factors in this game that sort of make it special? You've already mentioned the whiteness. That's, that's again, certain, something to bring up here. A white guy really cooking left-handed in an NBA game. It's special. Any other X-Factors for you, Craig Kilborn, in this game? Well, it's weird that he chose... Was was Portland? No, Portland wasn't the last game. It was the second to last game, I guess. The Lakers' last game. I just don't That's know right. why he chose a, such a good team mm. to play left-handed against. Uh, why would he do that, as opposed to Sacramento or something? Right. You know. 
And that's, that was interesting. That is super interesting. And I, again, I wonder if it's, you know, part of that revenge, they lose to the Blazers earlier in the season, only team to beat them at home. And he's like, I want to embarrass them and have a little bit of fun at their expense. I mean, I don't know. Listen, I'm, I'm putting words into his mouth here, but it's fun to think about another one road game. We're on the road in Portland. Again, you think if you're going to shoot left-handed, maybe you do it on the hoops. You're the most comfortable with he's doing this on the road in Portland. It's also Valentine's day with love, Larry bird. I mean, my God, he's doing this on Valentine's day. these dudes just fantastic uh mr kilborn i see the clock is almost winding down on us that means it's almost time for america's favorite podcast segment listen there are a lot of podcasts yours we're, we're going to talk about the life gorgeous here in a second a lot of podcasts that people love this is an individual segment that america has taken into their hearts they absolutely love it it's called more important craig i've heard you say before on interviews that you don't like to get political one of the reasons you chose to leave late night well the times have changed it's 2023 and shit's bad enough to where you gotta get out and and say something you gotta get out in front of this i honestly believe that you don't get to stick to sports or comedy or whatever it is I need your thoughts on the current political climate and your thoughts on our recent aversion of a government shutdown. Craig Kilborn, what do you have to say? I'm glad. We- oh, I'm so sorry, Craig. We don't have time for this because it's time for something more important. Craig Kilborn, I'm about to ask you a series of questions, all of which are more important than any of the bullshit you've said on this episode up until this point. Your answers to these questions will define who you are as a man on this planet. Are you ready for more important, Craig Kilborn? Bring it on. This is a real hack version of uh, five questions, but here we go. It's, it's, it's what the French call an homage, Craig. This is an homage to five questions. For Craig Kilborn, first question, most important. What is your favorite beverage? Uh, I do it in moderation. Vodka martini. Mm. Vodka martini, blue Lovely. cheese, olives. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. Do you have a favorite NBA announcer? Let's see. I like Ian Eagle. He's my buddy. He's very uh, good. Kevin Harlan's great. I'll say Ian Eagle. Ian Eagle's a great answer. I love the specificity of Ian Eagle. Uh, have you ever been in a fight, Craig Kilborn? That's the next question. Have you ever been in a fight? No, I, I walk away. Um, <laughs> I turn the other cheek. Right. But they can never hit my first cheek because I'm too quick. So I'm not a violent man. Uh, uh, pound for pound, who's the most powerful dunker you've seen? Pound for pound, most powerful dunker. Daryl Dawkins, Chocolate Thunder. I saw Daryl Dawkins once in Little Italy here in New York City. He was eating a gigantic ice cream cone. It looked like he had ordered like a double ice cream cone. It was twist. He was licking it from cone to the tip. It was it was it was a crazy moment to see him. We were so right. excited, and all my brother could muster was, "Dude, you used to name your dunks." And he turned to us with his cone and smiled and licked it, cone to tip, and that was my wow. moment with Daryl Dawkins. That's that's oh, wow. For you. you can take that with you. Good story. Which <laughs> next like question? That. More important. Which classic film actress did my father tell me he thought was very pretty? That stands to this day. Only person I've ever heard my father say was good looking, including anyone that's ever existed on the planet. Heard him say one. My dad's 84, 85 to give you an age range. Is, is Well, I know, but you're talking about an, old, an actress from the 40s or 50s then, right? Well, I, I don't, you know what? I don't know. I think she's okay. was a little bit uh, in the 50s, 60s, maybe. Oh, Okay. Okay. My dad's my dad's eighty four, eighty five. His birth certificate well, burned up in the, a the, Filipino the three, hospital. The, the beautiful women. Can I name a few yeah, and then please. see if it's one of them? Yeah. 
You've got one that's kind of people don't know. Is her name is Jean Tierney. She was beautiful. I don't know her. Uh, 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 Grace Kelly, beautiful. Uh, uh, Ingrid Bergman, uh, Ava Gardner, gorgeous. And and then you had um, uh, Elizabeth Taylor. Great. They're all great. My Anne Margaret. That's who my father said. Oh was no, called. no, she's cute. Yeah, she's cute. She's not beautiful. That's wow. okay. Wow. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you are a, a cinemaphile. You, you you do top five favorite movies all the time on The Life Gorgeous. Do you have five favorite sports movies? Do you have any sports movies that you love? You know, someone, the Sklar Brothers asked me this, so I don't watch a lot of sports movies mm. uh, because I watch so much sports and I find uh, I find sports movies contrived. But I'll give you a few. Hoosiers, Gene Hackman, one-on-one right. Robbie Benson, Spike Lee called it the worst basketball movie ever. He's wrong. <laughs> My guy, Dr. J and the Fish at Safe Pittsburgh was the worst basketball movie. Uh, let's see. Um, I named one-on-one. I named Hoosiers. Oh, Bull Durham I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's three. I don't know if I can name five. What am I missing? Uh, uh, what am I missing? For Do you like Major movie? League? Do you like Major League? I didn't watch it. So wow. Never saw it. Um, what about um, Field of Dreams? Yeah, I just started it the other night. And didn't finish it. Oh my god! Sorry about that. Sorry to let people down. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. That's guts. Uh, That's oh, what I, I take from the, that. Your guts. I like to, the, to be honest about it. I like the natural with Robert Redford. Great. That was good. That's yeah. great. That's it, four. That's that was enough. a blast. Uh, do you have a best sports nickname? Do you have a your best or your you know, favorite? You can do either. So, so. I do. I always thought I'm obviously biased because I, you know, but I always thought Dr. J was a pretty cool nickname. Um, (laughs) Obviously, I like the Iceman because they would say the Iceman cometh with uh, when he would score and all that stuff. But I I like Dr. J. What what are the other good ones? Uh, I like to mention I like to mention um, the Motor City Cobra, Tommy Hearns. Okay, that's Tommy a good one. Horns. Do you like boxing? Do you ever, do you get into boxing at all? Well, I'm not very violent, but when I was a kid, I used to watch Muhammad Ali. Yeah, and yes. he was uh, he would float like a butterfly. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, one hundred percent. Craig Kilborn dunks or passes? Which do you prefer? passes? Do you have a favorite pass? What floats to the top of your mind? Touch pass, Larry, over his head. Over his, did it in yes. the All-Star game over to George Gervin. No, yes. that was down in front to Gervin. Then he does passes over his head. I just like touch passes. They're very yeah. good. Very good. A fantastic answer. Uh, we've got to move on. The next credential is the cosign. Craig Kilborn, the floor is yours. The microphone is yours. Does Larry Bird's left-handed game belong in the first ballot Hall of Fame and why? It belongs in the First ballot Hall of Fame, absolutely. In fact, it should be number one over everything else. <laughs> Who else does that? Does Does Tom Brady say, I'm going to throw left-handed? He doesn't know how to. Larry Legend. Larry Legend. Shoots the lights out. Shoots from the free throw. Free throw percentage is high. He's, and then he passes and rebounds. And then he dives on the floor. He does mm. everything. Mm. And he trash talks. I love Larry Legend. First ballot Hall of Fame. Left-handed. It's... No respect for the opponent. <laughs> Taunting. Taunting. It's time for the induction speech. That's when I get to decide whether this thing's going in. Listen, I'm going to take everything Craig just said into account. I think this is an interesting moment to consider in that if you go by the, la- the, by the law of the land of the first ballot Hall of Fame, 
if you go by the credentials, there's some interesting things that that don't happen in this game. I test, I noticed Larry doesn't really take like a full blown jumper left handed. He takes a lot of runners, no like step back jumper with my left hand. Listen, a tiny little point deduction. The other thing is everyone goes, he played his entire game with his left hand. He did not. He took 11 shots, with, which is a ton of shots with your left hand if you're not left-handed, in, in an NBA game particularly. Th- that's something to consider here. All that said, the apocryphal part of this story, the trash talk, the saving the right hand for the Lakers, uh, the, the Greg Kite confirming this, uh, Craig Kilborn asking Larry Joe about the left-handed game, it all matters here. It all adds up. Absolutely, this game is going. This moment is going in to the first ball yes. Hall of Fame. Congratulations, yes. Larry Joe Bird, the Boston Celtics. Craig Kilborn. So, so relieved. Is in the first ball. Oh, thank God you made the right decision. <laughs> Craig, tell us about the Life Gorgeous. Tell us about the podcast. Life Gorgeous podcast on YouTube. Uh, my YouTube channel. I interview my friends. I interview Chris Finch. I interview A Rod. Uh, I uh, Dan Barrero. A lot of Minnesota people. They're nice people. We talk about drinking in moderation, uh, French food, <laughs> classic movies, and we always make sure people know that Gene Tierney is more beautiful than Anne Margaret. <laughs> That's number one. It's honestly, it's really great. And again, I'm a little biased because I'm a fan of yours and I got brought into it on the Gibby episodes, but uh, uh, Russillo is great on the show as well. Yeah. Uh, the Sklar yeah. brothers were great. It's a lot of fun to listen to. Your your Instagram also is just fucking Thank note you. perfect. It's so much fun to follow you. Everybody oh. follow uh, Kilby on Instagram as well. Uh, listen, I, didn't, I don't know. I, I don't want to disrespect any other guests. Could this have been maybe the best episode of this podcast? Craig Kilborn? You asking me? I yeah, heard... yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is this is uh, first ballot. <laughs> this is great. You heard it. You there. did a lot of research, man. I tried. I tried. I wanted to. Uh, you know, I, you're coming on. I gotta. I gotta pay my respects to you and your career. Uh, Craig Kilborn, thank you so much for coming on the show. You were fantastic. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's it. That's the show. My thanks to Vanilla Thunder himself, Mister Craig Kilborn. It was my sincere pleasure. Listen, he hates the Lakers. Nobody's perfect. Thank you to Mr. Kilborn. Shout out today goes to Ball is Life. So many new listeners to this show. Thank you for your support to everyone at Ball is Life. EJ Cabasal has been killing it on social, getting clips out, letting everybody learn about the show. Shout outs to him too. The show keeps growing. We're adding new listeners every week. If you enjoy the show, I want it to be free forever. Please help us and tell a friend. Rate and review us. It would mean a lot to the team. That team is a couple Filipino dudes, me and EJ, a daughter of Cambodian refugees, Jessica, and Robbie Bobby Arucci on the ones and twos. Rhythm J makes the beats. Follow him on social at Rhythm J. David Estramskis, DA, is our producer of Ball's Life. And please come back next week for more First Ballot. This is, this is uh, First Ballot.